This is so sad. <laughs> yeah. The life of a squib is sad. Wow. It's such a, like an offensive word. It is. We're we're off the track so far right well, now. Well, I meant what I said. <laughs> you you derailed this sorry, so, so sorry. quickly. <laughs> oh, I even lost my train of thought because you derailed <laughs> my it. My B, my B. <laughs> your B? Shut up. Sorry. Oh, I'm a boomer. You're not. You're, you're Gen Z. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, geez. As the, as the millennial in the room, I'm offended on both sides. That's, that's quite all right. <laughs> okay. Can I get it on try number two? Uh, try number two? Try number two. All right, here we go. Hello there, you little crits. <laughs> it's your critical millennials, Kyle and Alex, and today we are here to talk Martin Scorsese's malicious attack on Marvel films and blockbuster filmmaking. Within that conversation, we're going to talk about the difference between entertainment and amusement, because I believe that there's a difference. Ooh. I hope to explain why. Yeah. Lastly, on the board for today, we are finally going to deep dive Blade Runner 2049. Why, you might ask? Because Alex. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And because I like having philosophical discussions. Perfect. So we're bringing a film that Alex loves a lot more than I do, (laughs) and we're going to talk about it. So grab a drink and hold on tight, because we've got a lot to discuss. All right. Oh my gosh, the critical millennial. So a couple months ago, in an interview with the New York Times, Martin Scorsese made some claims about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and blockbuster superhero tentpole filmmaking in general. And in a roundabout way, he basically said that the Marvel superhero films, he put them in the spotlight, not necessarily all superhero films or, or all the Star Wars or anything that will make a billion dollars naturally yeah but he said that those things are they're not cinema mm. and that they're basically um th- theme parks yeah he, he he equated the marvel cinematic universe to that of a theme park or a thrill ride um that has no risk involved no art involved mm. and and that altogether once you get off the ride you kind of forget about it yeah because a a theme park ride is not designed to entertain you and we'll talk more about entertainment right it's designed to amuse you for for a theme park ride at least for two minutes three minutes max yeah whereas you know a marvel film could be two and a half hours right or three if you're end game <laughs> yeah <laughs> but they're designed mostly not to entertain but amuse and scorsese is kind of fed up with that mm. type of filmmaking and there are points to his argument it's a longer argument in the new york times article right. um there's a lot of it that I agree with, that yeah. I personally agree with. I'm standing with Martin Scorsese on, and there are things that I'm like, dude, like, maybe your time is over. Yes. So, like, maybe we need to step aside. Okay, boomer. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm being serious, too, when I say, no, okay, no boomer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are things in that argument that I that I kind of agree with, and we'll get there. But, Alex, what are what's your perspective on um, Scorsese's whole thought process and claims? Yeah, Uh so with I love I've seen every Marvel movie. Um, like I've gone to the theaters and seen a, seen them all. And for the most part, I could see the aspect of being amusement because mm-hmm. there are a lot of those movies that if you ask me the plot line, I probably couldn't remember right. what happened in in most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are some. Now we've talked about Doctor Strange on here, right? And that movie has some and Black Panther and Black Panther. 
that I mean that Black Panther is a movie for a culture like that's right. that's and that's awesome that that's mm-hmm. a, they're able to take a a stand with with that and mm-hmm. I think that that's just and and to a degree I think that's good filmmaking right um, but for a majority of these movies mm-hmm. I think that most of it can be forgettable and now so when but when you take somebody that's like Scorsese and has like a pedestal for filmmaking where almost none of his movies fail right. It's hard to compare it to some of these Marvel movies, mm-hmm. um, but in to a degree, they probably have made the similar amounts of money. Yeah. Um, oh, god! I, I would say that Scorsese's films are on the way out. Oh no, totally! And I think they have been since after The Departed. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that Departed was his last big hit. Yeah. I mean, Irishman. Is Irishman big is because only it's a, on Netflix. I was gonna say Irishman's only a big viral hit. Right. It's only like. Wow, Martin Scorsese's asked us to not watch this on our phones, and I've seen memes where someone's watching it on their Game Boy Advance. Yeah, 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 I've seen that. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, like now people are just watching it as a meme. They're right. not watching it the way Scorsese would want them to watch right. it. Right, and that's kind of what I—that's kind of what I'm getting at—is the fact that Scorsese, his time was in 1980 something when Goodfellas came out, you know, yeah. but now is a different era. So my follow-up question back to him would be like. Does he really have a right to say something like this when he's not making movies anymore? Right, and and that's something I've thought about too. Is is the this idea of an older filmmaker, kind of also sticking to only what he knows? Yeah, he himself does not take risks in filmmaking. Very he true. tells the same story over and over and over again. Yeah, the same way Marvel tells the same story over and over exactly. and over again. Yeah, copy and paste new characters. Oh, well, sorry, copy and paste story beats replace faces and character names. And, yes. And potentially, not always with Scorsese, the town in which it takes place yeah. is. <laughs> and, but, like, then there's my thought. At first, my thought on this whole argument was, like, like basically, okay, Boomer, like, shut up. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're just upset that your movies don't make money anymore. <laughs> and, and, you know these tentpole films make so much money that just go back into Hollywood so that way potentially you can make your movie. Yeah. You know? Um, huh. Which, which when you think about it, that trickle-down effect of, like, you know, Endgame makes $3 billion. True. And so what else could Disney use that money with in their trickle-down because Disney owns so much of Hollywood? And, and to what, you know, Fox Searchlight, because Disney owns Fox... Yeah. could now make and because Fox Searchlight is that independent side of Fox which is now owned by Disney that's a good point so what trickle down money from Endgame could be used by some independent filmmaker to make their film that's a good point yeah yeah because then that independent filmmaker is in the wheelhouse of Disney to make their next Marvel Star Wars whatever right yeah yeah that's a good point I never actually thought about it that way mm-hmm. um, I think because just because I often forget about Disney's dominance over the over, entire culture of over this, the globe, yeah, <laughs> of right now of society, yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's hard to like because I think I mean Goodfellas is awesome, and then but I think you're right. Ev- after every movie, you're like, all right, well, I know the story beats like of right. what's going to happen each time. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like, does he have a right? But also, like, the thing is, I don't think that he's wrong. And like, some I don't of, think he is either. Some of the yeah. stuff that he's saying, like. 
<laughs> I think of like me and my wife have been watching through the Iron Mans just because she's never seen anything. Um, the first Marvel movie I think she saw was like Civil War or something like that. Oh wow, she just missed be- a lot. She missed a lot. And like I'm rewatching them, I'm like, some of this stuff is not very Good. meaty. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's like, mostly just bones. Yeah. Um, and it really doesn't get meaty, I don't think, until Winter Soldier. And even so, that's like a that's pretty skinny. So. Yeah, Winter like that's that's my thing too. I didn't like the cinematic Marvel MCU until I saw Winter Soldier. Yeah. Because like Iron Man was fun. I yeah. was like. I was a freshman in high school when that came out. Wow. It was 2008. Yeah, that's crazy. It was like, yeah. So I was a freshman in high school. I had no idea, like, everyone was going to see this movie. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go with my parents, see this movie, whatever. Yeah. Um, And I just kind of, like, I fell asleep in the theater when we all went and saw Avengers. Because I was kind of <laughs> bored. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm not, I'm just being amused. This is just action scene after action scene after action scene after action. It's just like a roller coaster. Right. And so I fell asleep because I was bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I saw... Uh, Winter Soldier, like, I didn't go to the theaters anymore to see that. Okay. But then when Winter Soldier came out, um, some friends were watching it in college, and I was like, can I borrow that? Yeah. I, but I hadn't seen the first Captain America, mm. which I still haven't, and I'm okay not seeing. Yeah, you're not missing much. Um, but I was watching Winter Soldier, I was like, okay, there's some intrigue here. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then the next one I saw after that was Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was like, oh, this is just Fun. Yeah, it's a lot okay, of fun. Okay, you know what? Maybe I can have fun watching these, and this is okay. Right. And then Doctor Strange came out oh, and yeah. changed the game for me. Yeah. As we've talked about. Right. And I think that, that that's a good marking point of, like, like that's why it's become so, like, revolutionary for this generation. Mm-hmm. And the biggest part is because you put all of these actors and these characters all right. together, mm-hmm. and you will get people that will come to the theater. Yeah. You know? Like, that's that's the big drawing point. You know, um, and when that happens, um, that's what makes the money. So I think Scorsese's point, though, is like, is that what's making money or is it the story that's making money? It's hard because we live in the binge culture of like, I just have to know what's next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and, it, and it's funny because binging is kind of going away with the way that Disney Plus is releasing the boring Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, I'll take the Mandalorian's boring. Um <laughs> And so, like, binging's kind of going away, and we're going back to this weekly or every few days basis of stuff. And Kevin Feige's a genius in that he started this universe and made it impossible to almost jump off the bandwagon of until Endgame. Right. If you want to be done with the MCU, like, I kind of am. Yeah. You can leave at Endgame, and it's honestly really amazing ending yeah that I'm personally so frustrated with and I know that it's just greed and money and it's not storytelling at this point that they're just going to keep telling stories to tell stories yeah like you could take a five year break let Endgame settle right and build some back up yeah you know but now with the new Black Widow trailer it just came out that looks awesome it does look good but this movie should have came out four or five years ago right I mean just can you imagine like what it would be like if all of a sudden, like, a, a, a new superhero movie trailer dropped. Like, that would be, in, in like, six years or seven years, right. like, that would change the game. Like a new Marvel superhero. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the cinematic universe. Yeah. That would change the game. Like, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. I think it's kind of, 
it's developed. It was just entertain or it was amusement. And I think it kind of got borderline entertainment once it got to like Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, and then into Black Panther as well. Like, mm-hmm. but then it's just kind of gone back down a little bit more towards some. Yeah, I would. I would say that it's just it's. I would agree with Scorsese that their Marvel has no more risk because they just know you're gonna go see, which is just. Really good business on their part because they're making a lot of money doing. They're making that. a lot of money, but they're just they're making subpar right films. Right, which now, is I'm not I don't want that to come across as I don't think these are technically great. No, yeah, yeah. I think technically they're great. I think they have great costume set design. Yeah. I think they get great actors and great cinematographers. Right. And directors, but I think it's the writing, which for me is a big is one of my biggest things in movies is yep. writing, acting, directing. I think that those are the top three things that I look for. Yeah. Their writing is just, there's no risk. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like the, for me, like as I've talked about here before, story is like big for me when it comes mm-hmm. into movies and the story was, not, was so predictable uh, until like Winter Soldier. Like yeah. you, like you didn't, most people didn't see the, that coming in previous movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should have. And that was, um, that was the Russo brothers, right? Yeah, that was. So, and that, that was kind of like their foray into their greatness. Yeah, side note, I think the Russo brothers are the only ones that actually understand Black Widow. Oh, interesting. And how to make her an actual character. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll have to, yeah, I agree. I, I think oh, that yeah, John yeah. Favreau was just like, here's this, this woman who I can make sexy. Right. And like, That'll keep people in seats. Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right about that. Now I'm curious to see um, this who this new director. I don't, I can't remember her name. Um, that's directing Black Widow, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I assume it'll be good. So, what do you think the the median between the two might be then? Mm. Between the Scorseses and even the Spielbergs on their way out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not of life. They're not like. I mean, they're old. They're old. Yeah. But like, I'm not saying like they're gonna die tomorrow. Yeah. I'm just saying like potentially on their way out as pinnacle filmmakers. Yeah. Like, no one's saying that, Scorsese, what you did in the past wasn't great. Yeah. It's just we're in a different time. It's a different generation. And he's refusing to adapt. Yep. yep. Boomer. And Boomer. <laughs> um, and the middle ground has kind of become, like, people like Christopher Nolan. Mm. You know, like... Villeneuve. The, yeah, Denis, he's, I mean, him too. People know his name less, but they know his movies more. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Chris Nolan, like, he's like, he's got the big action set pieces. Like, when we watched Inception recently, like, I didn't, I forgot how much there was big action in that movie. Yeah. Um, and, but he's also got something that's got thought provoking. Yeah, I know Christopher Nolan did Batman, but I would mm-hmm. love to see him reinvigorate the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That'd be, that would with... be very interesting. I would love to see him work with um, the X Men when they reintroduce them. That'd be interesting. I'm I'd be really curious how he would fit into that mix because I think he thinks deeper than some of these other directors. Not crazy deep. I'm not saying like right. he, like it's like a su- I think he, super deep. He level. actually gives thought. Oh yeah, I mean I think to some extent he gives a crap you know about yeah. movies so. Yeah, and I would and I would say that like Kevin Feige at this point gives a crap about his comic book characters, yeah, but not the larger story he's telling as a whole. Yeah, which do you think that? I mean, well, there's no way we can know unless we talk to him. But do you think mm-hmm. that he did at one point care about the the story as a whole? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think um, in the end of phase two, I forget yes. like after after um, what's his name. 
who did Justice League and oh yeah, not Zack Snyder, but the other guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did Buffy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh, I forget. He liked one of my tweets. <laughs> yeah, his name's on the tip of my tongue. I know, but after Phase Two of Marvel, after they fought Ultron, it was just sort of like, anyway. I don't remember that movie at all. It gave us it gave us Wanda. That's true. One of the best characters. That's true. Who actually has some stakes? Yeah, in yeah. the game. Whereas everyone else is sort of like, yeah, we're here. We're, this is great. We'll just go fight these people. Yeah, yeah. And Wanda's over here like, I've given up my entire life. Yeah. Her and Tony. Right. Her and Tony gave up everything. Yeah. Like, she had to kill the love of her life in order to save the world. Right. But then watch him die again. Yeah. Tony yeah. died. Yeah. Now, now I'm just getting into the argument. Right, like, yeah, Steve yeah. Rogers sucks. <laughs> but yeah, I would agree with you. I think the middle ground are these... these Directors like Villeneuve, um, Christopher Nolan. Um, there's others out there. Yeah. Like Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. Um, with, yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, oh, that, that are creating these films. Todd Phillips with Joker. Which is which was revolutionary um, for him. So. Yeah. Uh, the director of Wonder Woman. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, like, I think all of these, these people are all-tier filmmakers who are on the rise that... Patty Jenkins. Patty yes, Jenkins. Patty Jenkins. Um, yeah. That are paving a way for, like, storytelling with spectacle mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't just gloss you over with color and, and action yeah, scenes. Yeah. I, I barely call Marvel movies action movies. I call them edited movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you can't see what's happening. Right. When one punch is 15 shots, yeah, that's stupid. It's like taking three. You know that mm-hmm. famous uh, fence jump scene? Yeah. 15 shots or 15, something? Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. So, like, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Martin Scorsese is right and wrong. In, in I some think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think part of it is just an older man who doesn't know how to make a new type of film anymore and only yeah. makes and has stuck to his lane. And it's just upset that someone else that's sticking to their lane is making more money yeah. and getting more attention than him. I think you're right. But also, I think he's right in that they're not creating, Marvel's not creating anything of value as comes to like deep storytelling, and they're not taking risks anymore. Right. When the MCU started, huge risk. Big time. Huge risk. Nothing yep. like that had ever been done. Yep. Like, Star Wars tried, but it took... Like, 20, 30 years in oh, between, yeah, yeah. and then, like, 10 years in between. Like, yeah. So, like, Star Wars is similar, but very different. Yeah. Whereas Kevin Feige is like, no, I'm going to tell a 22-long story that takes 22, 23 films. Yeah. And, like, this endgame phase is so good. It's a bit, It's a feat. It's it really a feat, is. And it's great. Yeah. But I think Scorsese's right in that, like... For the majority of it, it's just the thrill ride that once you get off of, you forget. I think, yeah. And I I think you're completely right in that, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's a shame, it but really I'm is. kind of interested to see what sort of risks now Martin Scorsese, if he if he continues to make films, is he's going to take a risk. Hey, go for it. Take your own medicine, dude. Yeah. Like, if this is the advice you're giving, stop making things like The Irishman and yeah. make something new. No more mobster movies. Make something new for us. And then Kevin Feige, Marvel, like, make something new for us. Please. I'm here for it. I'm ready. Yep. That whole conversation leads me to this proposition here, is that I believe that we as society tend to misuse the words entertainment and amusement. I know by definition, according to, like, the dictionary, 
that like they're kind of similar, they're synonymous a bit. But I propose that there's a difference between the two, and that being the value behind each one. Oh. I submit that being entertained is being different from being amused, and that entertainment should stay with you long after the curtain is closed, in so much as it's caused you to think about life, philosophy, reason, or perhaps has changed your perspective on some facet of existence. Meanwhile, amusement, I feel, is more of a theme park ride that once over you lose all feeling for and forget what it even felt like. Mm. Yeah. And, and it is in this that I believe the theme running through, that's the theme running, a theme running through Scorsese's argument there. Yeah, yeah. But I'm curious, Alex, what are your thoughts on the difference between being entertained by something and amused by something? Yeah. Or if you do see a difference. Yeah, um, I think there's definitely a difference, and I'm going to use uh, my favorite example of this recent, this past few months, Hobbs and Shaw, um, to kind of help make my point. So, Hobbs and Shaw, I just recently watched it, and I laughed through the entire movie because the movie is completely about amusement. Because if you got anything that is of any philosophical or of any um, thought-provoking depth from that movie, please talk to me, because I don't know how you found that. Or any Fast and Furious. Any Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> like, honestly, the movie is literally there for you to go to the theater to laugh with your friends that you brought with you, because mm-hmm. I really hope that you would go with somebody else, and then leave the movie theater and be like, all right, like that was fun, gotta wake up and go to work tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah. You know? And whereas the other end of it, entertainment... I often use the example, when I saw Silence for the first time, mm-hmm. um, which is a Scorsese movie. Right. Um, when I saw that for the first time, I remember talking to a friend that was um, going out into the mission field, and I told him, I was like, I think that you would be entertained by this movie. And he was like, why would I be entertained of, of in a movie about missionaries being tortured for their beliefs? And I was like, well, I just don't think you understand what entertainment is. And I didn't say that to him at the time. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, I think that you are right. I think that there is uh, both sides of it, and that is you have a good definition of it. And I think that there's value to both sides. Yeah. So because I would say I would say I recently you know saw Charlie's Angels, the mm-hmm. new one. Go see it. I say I still haven't seen it. Uh, it's just it's perfect amusement. Yep. Yep. In so much as it's funny, there's awesome action scenes mm-hmm. and like once it's done you're like wow that was i had a lot of fun watching that yeah i just had a lot of fun with that yeah and but then there's movies like uh knives out yes which we weren't gonna bring up but yeah. i think it's a perfect i think it is too discussion here is that it's knives out is very funny and it's very amusing at points yeah but you are left thinking about the implications of that movie right like if you leave that film just Saying, oh, that was really a fun story. You missed the point of the movie. Yes. Like, I, there's a, there's a scene in the movie that I think is the most heartbreaking scene of 2019 in any film. Yeah. There's something that happens in that movie that broke my heart. Yeah. And that it took the movie from being amusement to entertainment. Yeah. In how it's subverted, and it's Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, The, the yeah. creator of the best, one of the best Star Wars movies, The Last <laughs> Jedi. Um, it's better than all the prequels, better than Force Awakens, better than two out of the three originals. Um, and he's the king of subverting expectations. Yes. And the way he subverts them, so expertly, deftly handled. Yeah. Like a surgeon. Yeah. So good. 
And so I think though those are great examples. Like Charlie's Angels is just pure amusement. Yeah. If you got deep philosophical stuff out of that, again, tweet at me, tweet <laughs> yeah. at us, because even I didn't. <laughs> and I'm like the king of finding philosophy in everything. Yeah. Right. Outside of like a female empowerment film that's like really cool and like a, a discussion on like where we're taking energy potentially. Like, oh yeah. But, like, yeah. See, even that's me, like... <laughs> that's you, reaching. It, yeah, I was literally reaching while talking about that, talking with my hands and, like, reaching, like, is it there, Harry, water? Oh, I was just going to say... <laughs> water, Harry. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Half-Blood Prince. A deep-thinking movie. Ooh. Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. At me, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I just, wanted to, I just wanted to throw that out there because I just personally am tired of people who are just seeking entertainment and then gossip columns on yeah. on celebrities being entertainment. Yeah. No, that that's that's amusement. Right. When we think about entertainment, I think that we should think about the way the movies that we've talked about yeah. in yeah. depth on the, on this podcast. Yeah. Whether it's even Midsummer all the way back to our episode 1 like Midsummer like that's a movie for entertainment not amusement. Yeah. I think yeah. I think um Books are more often entertainment than amusement because it engages your mind and makes you imagine yeah. what the world building is. Yes. Or even like or even to, to a lot of degree, like video games these days to the depth that you create a character, you create a story, and you have to choose the way you're gonna play. Right. I think creates a level of entertainment, not amusement. I this morning before I came over here, I started The Outer Worlds, which is a mm-hmm. like a Fallout S game. And for about 20 minutes, I spent just making up my character because I wanted to have, like, a certain play style mm-hmm. so that he had, like, his own philosophy. He has, yeah. like, his own, like, way of living. I'm yeah. not just going out there shooting people. Like, I'm making a point of, like, I want to, like, be able to, like, have this character become somebody, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's depth to that, so. Yeah, and I think it's just a personal pet peeve of mine that we've taken entertainment and amusement and put them in the same category yes and i agree Mm -hmm. and now i don't think that's i don't know what you would say to this but for me i don't think that there's value taken out of either side of it but i think there's a higher value that needs to be put on entertainment rather than amusement oh i think i I think it's devalued Mm. that's that's my whole point yeah is that i think there's that there needs to be a value shift Mm. Uh, in what we call entertainment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And versus amusement. Right. But them in the them because I I think what you're saying is that there needs to we as like a culture as like a generation however you want to phrase mm-hmm. it need to shift our values onto entertainment rather than amusement. Amusement. Mm-hmm. But I think them in and of themselves in their own right has value in the sense that obviously entertainment is like. That is making you think deeply, like you mm-hmm. want to pull mm-hmm. something from it, and mm-hmm. you should be thinking about it for yeah. weeks afterwards. Whereas amusement, I found I find value in that of doing that with people and with friends. Yeah, like, that's you know? and I think that's where I would agree with you is that if I want to be amused, I'm going to do it with more people. Right. You don't go to an amusement park by yourself. I mean, you, you can. You can. That's sad. Yeah. You're probably going to get looked at weird by security. Very true. Hopefully you would. Just yeah. Hopefully right. security yeah. Be like, we have a white man just walking around by himself all day. Keep your eyes on him. <laughs> Please. That is a code white. He's got a Hogwarts backpack on. Shut your mouth. <laughs> it's not a Hogwarts backpack. It's a Hufflepuff oh, backpack. Sorry, sorry. Get it right. 
Squid. Oh. That's right. Oh, shoot. Yeah, that's right. The rest of your family's magical and you're not. Oh, man. That's including Sydney. This is she's unfortunate. Not she's magical. Your sisters <laughs> hey, are magical. Hey, man. So are Bert and Kim. Bert. <laughs> <laughs> this is so sad. <laughs> yeah. The life of a squib is sad. Wow. It's such like an offensive word. It is. We're we're off the track so far right well, now. Well, I meant what I said. <laughs> you you derailed this sorry, so, so sorry. quickly. <laughs> oh, I even lost my train of thought <laughs> because you derailed My it. B, my B. <laughs> your B? Shut up. Sorry. Oh, I'm a boomer. You're not. You're, you're Gen Z. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, geez. As the, as the millennial in the room, I'm offended on both sides. That's, that's quite all right. <laughs> Classic millennial. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my. I am so sorry. What has happened to this podcast right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh. What were we even talking about? Where are we? <laughs> what universe did we enter? <laughs> Jeez. Sorry. You should be. Okay. I'm you done. You really should be. I'm done. Um, gosh. How do we recover from that? Um, so, speaking of uh, millennials, you know, how, how people put a level of value on amusement rather than entertainment. So. Oh, yeah. Or maybe Gen Z more so. Well, I was going to bring in, like, even sometimes I feel this way at church, that I'm being mm. amused more so than entertained. Yeah, yeah. Of, like, that the music, worship music, this is a whole different discussion. Oh, yeah, that yeah, we'll, yeah. That I will get into more depth later on. Not in this episode. But sometimes I feel that way in the church. Mm. Of, like... The music is just meant to emotionally manipulate me, which I'm all for. Yeah. Like, because it's just there to set my heart and set my mind on things above. Yeah. And so, like, you know, worship music is highly important, and I value it, it deeply and greatly. I wish that I could be musical enough in that way. Yeah. Um, but I love to sing. I love to worship in that way. Um, but I also know that, like, it's there, mm. yes, to worship the Lord greatly with song as, as we are commanded to in Scripture. Right. Um, but it's to set me up for what the pastor has, what the Lord's laid on his heart. And that's where I often get let down. Sometimes I feel like is that I'm just sitting in, mm. a, in a chair or a pew, being amused by a man's words. This is what, how he's viewed scripture rather than being immensely entertained and taken to a deeper philosophical discussion of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. Interesting. And yeah. that's and that's another discussion of like, is that what the Sunday morning is for? Right, right. But I think it says a lot to how what people want to take into and stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even as I was pre- preparing my lesson for tonight at youth group, like I was as I was going through the manuscript, I was like, do I have enough like jokes in there to keep people ca- like into the discussion? And it kind of started to click. Like I'm like, well, do I need that many? You know, uh, like, when I when yeah. I teach, this is also a different discussion. But when I teach, I don't do jokes. Yeah, I try not. I mean, I usually don't. Like I'm honestly, like, you know, like if if you can't be captivated by the truth, then like that's a different discussion. That is a different discussion. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. But anyway, like I I'm just out here trying to like I want people to start viewing entertainment and, and amusement as different value sets. Yes. Um, and maybe potentially different moral codes to walk by. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. And I think that that's like kind of the big reason why we do this, yeah. why we why we like to have these conversations, is yeah. because yeah. we value entertainment. And I know, and I know, I'm the pretentious one of the two of us who will <laughs> who will rather go watch a film that's going to challenge everything about me and what I believe. Yeah. And make me dive back into scripture and make me learn more about the Lord. Yeah. But 
I went and saw Knives Out and Charlie's Angels, just expecting to be amused, and I went with a friend, and it was just a great time, yes. and, and Charlie's Angels was what I knew it would be. Right. Awesome. <laughs> um, and Knives Out was more than I thought it would be. Yeah. And more than I thought Ryan Johnson was capable of. Yeah. And more than what I thought the actors involved were capable of. Mm, yeah. And I, and I left that being deeply entertained yeah. by it. Yeah. And I think that's where the value a little bit comes mm-hmm. in, especially when you're with other people. So Yeah. So any any final thoughts on entertainment and amusement? I think we'll we're this is a larger discussion to be had than this episode is yeah. able to hold. Yeah. But watch your movies with a mindset or take in your entertainment with a good mindset of wanting to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would agree. Sorry. You should be. I am still upset about the Hogwarts backpack <laughs> comment. So sorry. No, you're not. I'm not, but I am at the same time. Like I feel, like it's, I feel bad, but it's also just good podcast. All right. Well, we've come to the segment of the podcast that, for once, Alex is most excited about. I am so excited. Usually, I'm the one that's ready to go, Jonesing for this hit. Oh my gosh! But when I texted Alex that we should just do Blade Runner twenty forty nine because I know you want to do it so bad. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Well, I. On Black Friday, I bought the movie on 4K, and I was just looking for an excuse to watch it. And we're recording this the Wednesday after Black Friday. <laughs> Popped that puppy in, watched that whole movie, cried a little bit. It was good. Audibly heard Sydney roll her eyes, even yeah. though she wasn't Even though home. she wasn't around. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, we are going to deep dive Blade Runner 2049. And we're I think we're going to structure this a little differently. Yes. And so much as it's one of Alex's favorite movies, yeah. oh, and he's man. seen it a lot. I tried to watch it again. I like this movie. I'm yeah. not saying I don't like this movie because I really, really do. Yeah. I like it a lot. Right. But I've just been so tired working at Starbucks through Thanksgiving and Black yeah, Friday. That makes sense. That I could not keep my body up to watch it through. I tried twice. I've just I, been so yeah. tired. I'd rather you not watch it while you're tired mm-hmm. than watch it while you're tired. Yeah. So. so Alex is actually going to give us a rundown of the film, mm-hmm. bring up a couple of points... But then he's going to interview me Yeah, on the film. Yeah. Sweet. I'm excited about this. So I'm handing over the microphone to you. Thank you. Um, so, uh, I was going to I was gonna grab the microphone, but I chose not to. So. This is an audio podcast. Yeah, it wouldn't look as good. Never mind. Anyway. It wouldn't look as good because they can't see exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. You, you visualize it. All right. I'm done. Um, anyway, so uh, I'm quips, quick synopsis of this movie. As quick as I can. So it's a sequel to to Blade Runner. Kyle's calm me down. I got two seconds left. Blade Runner. It's uh, replicants. <laughs> um, the be- whole point of this movie is that K is a Blade Runner. He's hunting down replicants. Replicants were built to be like humans, um, but they ended up rebelling. So they hunt down these older versions of replicants to kill them. That's what Blade Runners do. Replicants are what? They are manufactured people, essentially. So they're not really robots, necessarily, but they're synthetic beings. beings. Are that's, they beings? Right, and that's part of the yeah, that's Ooh. part of the question. So, so they're like they're like synthetic. They're like the next step in Barbie dolls. Kind of, yeah. If you want to be able to talk to them, have them work, and you know, mm-hmm. do other things with them. So, uh, yeah. um, but K is himself a replicant, hunting down other replicants, okay. and the whole the whole point of this movie is that K. After he hunts down this replicant, he has these memories of having a childhood. 
and then he starts to kind of have a panic attack because, full spoilers here, when after he hunted down that last replicant, he found out that there was a replicant that gave birth to a baby, which has never happened before. And so he goes on this journey to figure out if these memories are real. Right. (laughs) Essentially, yeah. yeah. And that's basically the movie. Um, cool. Without giving out, give away the ending or anything like that. But um, so yeah, I love this movie. Yeah. I, I've already yeah, I've already talked about why I love it. Technically, mm-hmm. I think in the last mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. So I'm just gonna skip that. Is there anything you want to say about it? No. Okay. Then we're just gonna get right into the deep dive of this Let's movie. Okay. So I'm just gonna start out. In general, what do you think this movie says about humanity? Uh, I, I think it's not saying anything new that any other sci-fi film hasn't attempted to say before. Mm, okay. Like, I don't think it brings anything new to the table. Yeah. Um, because it asks, uh, the simple, not the simple questions, but the same old questions that a sci-fi, a good sci-fi yes. movie would ask of that being, um, existence, where do we come from? What is our purpose? Yeah. What is morality? Um, do ethics change? Mm. Um, is evolution real? Like, and so, and and where is God in all of this? Yeah, are we God? Ooh. Is man God? Can there be a God? Yeah. Um, and I think it's a good a good science fiction film won't answer those exactly. or will rarely answer them. And if it does, be like, not sure. But here's the conclusion I've come to as either the filmmaker, the writer, or the actor, or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I don't think it says anything new about humanity. Yes. Um. I just think it says it in a different nuanced way i think you're right yeah so then my follow-up question would be then to that Mm -hmm. what makes us human because i think what this movie would say is that k is thinking that his memories make him human because Mm -hmm. he has a past um his emotions Mm -hmm. um and then also his ability to be able to lie and keep secrets and then lastly to have connection and to be interlinked with one another. Yeah, so but but all of that is also shown in the other replicant love mm. in the film. Yeah. She does all the same stuff, but would be considered less human because she's evil. Right. Because she does it all for evil intent. Right. So I think what makes someone human is being made by God. Yeah. Like capital G, one and only Father God, because because if we create something as his image bearers with the Imago Day. Like, that thing is not made in God's image. It's mm. then made in my image. Yeah. If I was deciding to play God with it. Right. Like, a Barbie doll, like, a, a doll does not have a soul. A toy does not have a soul. Animals do not have souls. Plants do not have souls. But, and so I think, I think quite simply, that's what makes someone human, is being created in the image of God, mm. by God. Yeah. And yes, we might look like our parents, but our parents are not our God. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think you're right, and I think that now to an extent, one of his things that makes him he thinks makes him more human mm-hmm. is his fact that he's able to lie and to keep a secret to deceive. Because typically replicants can't do that because they're right. built to obey humans. They're built to obey. Um, so would that is that an aspect of what makes us human, especially from a a Christian mindset too? So I'm more being asking. able to sin. That's that's kind of what I was going for. So, like, is being able to sin strictly human? Yeah. Well, I don't... I think so, because we're the only things... We're the only beings that were created in God's likeness and His image. Mm-hmm. You know, in the image, let us create man in our image. Yeah. 
Um, because like I've like I stated, animals and other things don't have souls. Yeah. They act on instinct. Right. And so our instinct at first is to sin, and our instinct after we are saved should become to be more like Jesus. Mm. But I think um, being able to lie doesn't necessarily make him as a replicant yeah. human. Yeah. I don't think having memories that are implanted makes him human. Mm. So that like. No, K is not a human. Right. Love in the film, the other female replicant that we focus on a lot in the film, not human. Yes. And I think that that's kind of the distinction that comes out at the end of the movie is when he finds, spoiler alert, when he finds out that he's not human, that he's a replicant. Mm-hmm. So what does he do with that information? Right. And that I want to follow up with that um, mm-hmm. that question here in that because we're human, does that make us special? Yes. Okay. Yes, we are the pinnacle of creation. Okay. Now, does that does that put us at an elevated position, in the mean? sense that we are more important than um, we are the most important thing in the universe because we are human. We are the most important thing to God potentially outside oh, of okay. His own glory. Why? Okay. Why do you his, say that? Because. He looked around. He kept saying, "Everything is good." Mm. When and when God was creating in Genesis chapters one and two, he looked around and said, "This is good. This is good." And then he said, "Let us make man in our own image." Yeah. Nothing else did God create and say, "Let me make the ocean in my own image." Yeah. Let me make the firmament in my own image. Creation cries out and reveals God's glory, mm. whereas the human reveals God's image. Ah, uh, okay. And so our his very likeness is placed upon us. And, and then he, God, gave Adam the rest of creation to care for. Mm. And so I would then see that the rest of creation is, if we are talking levels, beneath us. Mm. Yeah. Animals are beneath man. Yeah. It really grinds my gears when <laughs> someone is like, I love dogs, I don't like people. <laughs> we were never meant... To True. love our pets more than other humans. Yep. Sorry. Like, you just weren't. Yep. Like, it's good to love and care for your pets and not mistreat animals because they are part of creation. It's good to love and care for, you know, global warming crises and, and fires re- going across the world and, like, you know, all this terrible farming and, like, mining and things and, like, the tearing apart of creation. It's good to care about and try to take care of creation and fix some of the wrongs that we've done to it. Yeah. But the moment you start holding creation the earth and animals is more important than human existence mm. or humans or your neighbors than than you are sinning yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but we are the pinnacle of creation but god is more concerned about his glory right and us glorifying him and how and then he is necessarily with just us i i would believe yeah I think then my <clears throat> my follow-up question to that would be, do you think that that endangers having a healthy view of our humanity in the sense that we might elevate ourselves to a point where we don't deserve to be? Because I think that, and this is from my understanding and studying of like biblical anthropology in the sense that humans, to have a healthy view of your humanity is to have a healthy view of your sin Right. And to put yourself low mm-hmm. so you can see God high. Well, I think I, I would agree to that and that yeah. you need to see God high in so much as also I'm a created being. Mm. He's not a created being. True. He's the creator being. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the reason that I ask that is because I think that there's 
Something that this movie hits on is that the consumerism of the world will overtake us to the point where we become the most important thing and we kind of forget who we were. Mm. Why do you say that? In the sense that they're creating other humans, I'm doing air quotes, humans for their own pleasure to the point where they're like, okay, like, we're in charge. Like, we're, we're God. We're, we've mm. become better than um, yeah. somebody else. Because you have the classic Jared Leto God complex character who exactly. only speaks in, like, poems. Poems or, like, or awkward biblical, like, under, bi- understandings, air quotes again. Yeah, yeah, air quotes around that. Yeah. Um, and, like, obviously that mindset comes out in, like, when we're talking about slavery or when we're talking mm-hmm. about, like, mm-hmm. issues of race, like, the with the where white people think that they're better than black people like whether you truly believe yeah, that there's side some note, conscious... everyone in this film minus Ana de Armas is white right and there's a black guy who has like three lines and Ana de Armas's character is an idealized version of a wife she that... plays an AI that is everything you want her to be right S- basically a subservient woman and when you when you really think about this movie all the women are subservient to, exactly. to men except for except for who the k's boss you don't think so all she's driven by is her want to have sex with him oh interesting and she could command him to do it she could yeah but she doesn't yeah yeah but that's all her character's there to do mm. is make him feel awkward right and that there's also like but like even in the midst of all that like when they create these these replicants, mm-hmm. like, they can do whatever they want with them, you yeah. know? Like, they're, they're creating them for sex. They create them for um, work. They can create them for... Um, War. For what? War. War. Yeah, exactly. And they create them to hunt down each other. Exactly. Which is, I think, in and of itself, an ethical question that I don't know if we'll, we'll have time to get into, but I think there's something to be said about that. Mm-hmm. Um, all that being said, though, the fact that our consumerism and our level that we as humans have put ourselves on I think has placed us in a way that we think that we can be the best that we can be better that we can make decisions that we for can ourselves be God. that we can be God and I think that this movie is kind of pointing to a direction of obviously it's dystopian but where we could go if we allow ourselves to become God because mm. in this movie like there's no religion there's nothing to put your hope in except for yourself yeah and that's why become, sex becomes something um, like kind of out of this world, which in the, which is what I want to get to the next part is what is what does it mean to be desired? What does it mean to be desired? Yeah, I know that's an ambi- like a broad question. You know, I like those. I know. <laughs> I think to be desired does two things. Um. One, to yourself, when you realize you're being desired, it can make you go a couple directions. It can make you be humbled. Okay. Like, wow, this person desires to be with me, to spend time with me, to be my friend, or maybe more, maybe wants to marry me. Or it's like, or it can drive you to the, the complete other direction. of like, mm-hmm. I am desirable. Yeah. People want me. Or there's the other side of it when we really think about it, like, God does desire us. Yeah. He's a... He desires to be with us. He desires mm. for us to be with him. Yeah. Because that's where we belong. Yeah. As his created beings. Yeah. He desires that. He's jealous over the fact that we get to connect with him. Right. And and so 
to be desired is to be sought after. Yeah. But it also creates connection. Mm, yeah. Because if no, if I don't desire anyone to be with anyone, to hang out with anyone, to talk with anyone, then I am not connected. Yes. And as a Christian, I am not then connected to the body. Right. You know, I'm not living in community with other believers. Right. I'm just living a solitary life. And I would question then, do I even desire God? Yeah. And yeah, that's good stuff. Um, is it healthy to want to be desired? I think we cannot help but want to be uh-huh, desired. Okay. Okay. I don't think, I think that is encoded within us and as part of the fall. Yeah. I think it, before the fall, potentially, Adam and Eve maybe didn't know what it was to desire because they wanted for nothing. Yeah. Now we want for things. Mm. And so desire and want and need are all closely related. Yeah. Whereas do you desire things you want or do you desire what you need? Yeah. And so we do need human connection. Otherwise, the Lord would not have created the church. Yeah. Or, and he wouldn't have created marriage. He would not have made Eve in the first place. You know, yeah, she would not have been made. Adam would have just been subservient to the Lord, and that would have been it. Yeah, but he created a helpmate, right? Um, an equal standing helpmate, right? And so, there's there's all that. Where's the really good question? Am I desiring things that I need, or am I just desiring what I want? Yeah, and I think Blade Runner twenty forty nine simply says what you want, what you desire, what you want, mm-hmm. and that's what you need is what you want. Yeah, is what your body tells you. Right, and that's it. Yeah. And do you think that through this movie that Kay's discovery um, of what humanity looks like, because he doesn't discover what it is to be human because he just can't be human, but he kind of discovers what humanity looks like. Do you think his discovery is the opposite of what Blade Runner says? Like in the sense, I guess what I'm trying to say is what Kay finds out is that it's not about sex that he has to fall in love with this person. It's not about memories that makes you human. It's the concept of being interlinked or with mm. somebody else. And that's why he takes Harrison Ford, Deckard, and eventually has him meet up with his daughter. And that's what it means to be human. Is what this, I think, is kind of the conclusion yeah, I think, here. I think, as I started this conversation, 2049 brings nothing new to the sci-fi discussion table. Right. It really does not. Yeah. Because all sci-fi that does not acknowledge God, a creator being yeah. um, for all eternity when when they refuse to acknowledge that he's real and he's out there, yeah. that he's an intelligent designer, then the only answer left is each other. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I think a pitfall of modern sci-fi is, though, is that the answer can only be each other or if they want to acknowledge some sort of outside existence it's something we can't understand. It's something that's not really real that we can't tell is there, or it's aliens having to come down and mm. give us gifts. Yeah, yeah, uh, like a rival. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, but I think that the film will say that to be human is to want to desire connection. Yeah. Um, yes. And so I think you're right. I think that is part of being human. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't say that that is what makes us human. I think you're, I, I agree, and that kind of goes back to what we talked about a little bit before. Mm-hmm. Um, the the movie has a lot of um, pointings to a book called Pale Fire, which eventually even gets brought up by Anna Darmus's character. But there's a part oh, where side note: 
I didn't know it was a real book. I thought it was made up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie. No, no, it's very real. It's very philosophical and it's very boring. But um, I already ordered it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the part where he is getting like his baseline check, he's quoting. They're having him quote a poem from it, Mm -hmm. Um, and it says, "Cells interlinked within cells interlinked within one stem and dreadfully distinct against the dark, a tall white fountain played." And the whole point of that scene is to make sure that K, as a replicant, is not off of his baseline in the sense that he is not moving away from his replicant status. He's not becoming um, divergent from what he was supposed, why he is supposed to be. So, do you think that our the w- direction that our world is going today? Do you think we are moving away from a good understanding of intimacy? And a good understanding of what it looks like to have real connections. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, side note. Well, I started thinking about it as you're asking this question. I can't remember if it was the Gospel Coalition or Desiring God released an article where they had a bunch of pastors have to write up a theological statement on AI. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so, and so there, and and so I would just say that that society isn't moving towards losing, it's lost. Oh, okay. It's lost the ability to understand any of connection. Yeah. Because we think, we see in society all the time that, you know, what your body tells you to do is right, your Mm. truth, your truth. And then we raise the questions of the moralistic argument of then like, okay, well, what if I decide it's right for me to hurt you? Right. Yeah. You can't tell me that's wrong. Right. And now as it comes to intimacy, there are movements and fights to make pedophilia legal. Yeah. Because it's their desire in their body who says that's wrong. Right. And so I was just having this huge long discussion with someone the other day of of society's zeitgeist is like a pendulum. Mm. And we're, we're seeing it swing so far from the right, which I'm not using right or left as political terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying right is in like the 50s with and, and 60s, like early, not too long ago, um, with political movements of like, you know, black people wanting equal rights and women wanting equal rights. And, like, so the the pendulum started to swing towards center. Mm. Whereas, like, America, if you really are what you say you're about, then these things can't be true. Mm. Now we're seeing it swing past the midpoint to this left of saying, well, if that's true, then, like, the LGBTQ plus community should have those same rights. And then here are all those fallouts from the LGBTQ plus community. And so what I'm trying to say is, like, yes... Society's lost, and yes, America is a failed experiment. Yeah, no, yeah, I can see that. Um, and then I, as as Christians, what do we do? What do we do? We, yeah, we pursue the Lord. Yeah, we don't pursue political gain. Good. Yep. We pursue the Lord. We don't pursue it being in control of anything. Right. Because Jesus didn't come to gain control. Mm. He came to save the lost. Yeah, yeah, and I, I completely think you're right. I think. I think pursuing faithfully is like the best that we can do mm-hmm. and to pursue his word. And and I think to go back to your question a bit, because society has no actual idea of what it means to be connected to anything other than the self. Yeah. We as believers need to connect to the thing that created ourself. Mm, yeah. And that is a great act of humility. Yes. Because I believe the more you learn theologically and the more you dig into scripture, the more humble you should become. Yes. Knowledge of the Lord should humble, not puff up. Mm. And so that should drive you to hold tightly to the Spirit, hold tightly to the salvation of, and the ascension of Jesus Christ, 
hold tightly to God the Father, hold tightly to his bride, the church. Amen. Yep. And so that is where connection, true connection is found yep. when you recognize that you didn't create yourself. Yeah. That you were created. Yeah. And that you are finite. And I think society at large will admit we're finite because we'll die. Mm. But what matters then in your 60, 80, 100 year lifespan is making sure that you feel good. Yeah. You know, and there are movements, you know, to like be kind to everyone. Like Ellen will say at the end of every one of her shows, be kind, yeah. be kind. But really when society outside of Christ seeks to be kind, they're just seeking to fulfill their own heart. True. Rather than the embetterment of, of someone else. Yes. Because yeah. I was just t- having this conversation as well that um, the most loving and kind thing you can do for someone is inflict conflict into mm-hmm. their life. Yeah. And that being the gospel. Amen. The yep. gospel will inflict conflict into the very soul of every person that hears it because it goes against everything society says about connection, intimacy, life, meaning, justice, morality. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. So where, where Blade Runner 2049 goes is not that direction. Blade Runner 2049 will say, you fulfill you. Right. And I think that's the core of what the movie says mm-hmm. is it's a philosophical understanding that yourself is enough. Correct. That's, and that's where I would say the film, yeah. the film is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So my last question, um, I think that I want to ask you is, mm-hmm. what at one point when Kay finds out that he is not a human, that he is a replicant, right. and he gets like, basically they're trying to recruit him for this replicant rebellion against the yeah. humans, the woman that's in charge, she says, dying for the right cause is the most human thing we can do. What do you think about that? Vomit. Yeah. Not vomit, I guess that's too strong of a reaction, as most of my reactions can tend to be. <laughs> I think that is society outside of Christ's pinnacle. Mm. That they think that is, being a martyr is the pinnacle of human existence. Okay, yeah. Um, when in fact the pinnacle of human existence is bringing honor and glory to the one that made you. Mm. Um, and so that's what I think about when I think about the, those lines because I thought about that a lot. Yeah. It's like, because um, I have seen this movie before and it's full. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fact that they're like, oh yeah, dying for the your cause is the most human thing you can do. When when we have people dying for causes all the time, Jojo Rabbit just came out and there are many a men and women that died yep. thinking that the Nazis were right. Right. We all know now that they're not right, <laughs> yeah. but we've had many, many, um, many a men die on battlefields for causes that were not right, but that they thought were right. Yeah. We have many a people in this country stand up for things that are not right on both sides. Yeah. And they're willing to die for it. Mm. But how many believers do we actually have in this country that would be willing to die for their for their belief, for right. their savior. And that so does that mean that being okay, we should be okay with dying for a savior? Would that be like the instance of dying for the right cause is a good thing? Well, it depends. Okay. How so? It, it depends. Like, uh, like I think, like, I think about this a lot, the, the Columbine shooting many years ago, and it's like, do you believe in God? Yeah. And like, they're like, the girl's like, yeah. And she got shot. Yeah. She died. Mm-hmm. So, and so I think that is the pinnacle there of like she was willing to die yeah. how many how many people in scripture did not waver mm. that Hebrews chapter 11 they didn't see the fulfillment of their faith but they still had it yeah 
So I think that is a pinnacle here. Whereas like society wants to see their faith played out and fulfilled. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 They so want the to fulfillment see, isn't in the death. The fulfillment's not in the death. The fulfillment is in victory. Right. Which has been had. Which has been had. <laughs> yeah. On either side of that argument. Yeah. But victory has more importantly been had in Jesus Christ. Exactly. And so that is the victory and the fulfillment that we put our faith in because it's not mine. Right. I did not claim victory over sin. I get to partake in Christ. Yeah. He shares that with me. Mm. Where society wants victory for their own sex of society. Yeah. Not sexes and genders, but sexes and like parts of society. Yeah. Segments. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like the LGBTQ plus community only wants victory for whoever decides that they agree with them. Yeah. The political left decides the same. The political right does the same. Yeah. You know, and then and then there are smaller communities that do the same. Like, we even see that in in discussions on Star Wars, those mm. that like The Last Jedi and those that yeah. don't. If you like The Last Jedi, there are parts, there are people that will rip you apart. True. And if you don't like it, there are people that will rip you apart. Yep. It's the same, it's the same with, with Blade Runner. You're right. Yeah, like people, yeah. The, people that will rip this movie to shreds. Yeah. And there are people like you and I, well, you more so than I, but who really love this movie. Yeah. So, then to a degree, to to die for the right cause, it's a, it's not necessarily the fulfillment then, mm-hmm. so much as so as it is your willingness and understanding, for Christians. Right. Your willingness and understanding that victory has been had on the cross, there's right. no reason not to. Correct. Yeah. So... In that sense, then dying for the right cause is not the thing that makes us most human, but... Potentially the thing that makes us most like Christ. Most like Christ. That's what I was going to say. Because Christ was willing to die. Exactly. Yep. And I... And Christ was like, he was like 200%, because like you said 100%, 100%. So like, there's that, there's that too. That too, yeah, 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 of course, of course. But like, we also have the spirit indwelling in us. Yeah, yeah. We're in in our justification, like, in that death, if we're truly following Christ, Mm -hmm. like... There's nothing to worry about. Yeah. There's no reason to fear. Exactly. His death has been defeated. Right. So so that's Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dive. So, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I, I love this movie. If you have not seen this movie, whether you have seen the original Blade Runner I don't or not, think we spoiled anything. I hope not. Maybe to at least a little bit. Some things we spoiled, but I think it's <laughs> just so, like, vague and ambiguous and, like... yeah. Here's all this philosophy that, like, the movie was just sort of an afterthought because of all the philosophy. It kind of was. Like, as I was watching it, I was just kind of writing notes down of, like, philosophical questions of, like, this is what what the movie is asking and what it's trying to answer, but how how do we answer it, you know? Like, so that's kind of what I was doing. But all in all, I love this movie. Yes, it's a good movie. I, I cried this last time, and I don't, I don't have time to talk about when I cried this time, but I did. You have... 20 seconds. It's the part when he realizes the memory's real, and he freaks the heck out in that memory center, and he throws oh. the chair across the room. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the most emotion Kay shows in that whole movie, yeah. because he figures out it's real, and yeah. I had to pause it, so. Oh, gosh, you yeah. paused it. Yeah. Oh, I never pause. I always... I, I try I was, not to. Ooh, I always cry. I cry through. Let, I cry through. <laughs> let the movies play out. Yep. Even if I can't see them. <laughs> Well, hey, Kyle, thanks for talking about this movie with me. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. That's why we started a podcast. Oh, that's right. So we could be selfish and talk about movies. (laughs) Well, if you like what you heard, be sure to follow us over on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for The Critical Millennial. Look for that purple and gold X because that marks the spot of The Critical Hits by The Critical Mills. 
All right, I'm Kyle Krein, and this was Alex Holtz, and this was his deep dive. Oh, yes. Yes, it was. So if you were confused by anything you might have heard in the last (laughs) 20 minutes of this podcast, reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram with your own questions. Yes. And your own ethical moralities that were played out by Blade Runner 2049. We'd love to discuss those with you. All right, if you have any movies that you want us to deep dive or anything that you want us to discuss. Anything. Do you want that yeah. discussion on amusement versus entertainment on a Sunday morning? Yeah. Well, if you want it, we're going to have it. If you don't, we're still going to have it. So <laughs> joke's on you. All right, guys, have a wonderful, wonderful life, and we'll see you around. Bye. Oh my gosh, the critical millennial!